Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week, it's As You Were. I was thinking about deviating from the form, but you know, I think just the classic read somehow felt a little better. You know, I was also thinking about what bit we could throw at the front. And then I started thinking about, oh, what if what if today we did an episode on Bloodied Up? <laughs> or another steamer trunk. Yeah. And, oh, it was steamer trunk. Right. See, I did forget if it was that or trucks or trains, or trucks and trains, uh, rather. Um, what you gonna do? I realized that what I what I moved on from was uh, it was doing bits, and then it became how can I extend this for another week? Mm-hmm. But I tell you what I did, David. What did you do, Tim? We're recording on a Sunday, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. I came home from work on Friday. Opened up a can of O'Doul's. Can of whoop-ass. Drank half of it, and then I left it on my desk. For right now. Ah, there he goes, drinking his half-full. Stale. Two-day-old. Quite stale. Stale beer. As you were. Do you have any uh, cigarette (laughs) boats in there? I didn't go that far. I have seen people do that before, though, on accident. It's a tough mm-hmm. one to stomach. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's almost as if we planned it. I can't stand it, but you know we planned it. <laughs> this is our final episode of, of this podcast that we started doing in January of 2018. Madness. And... We've been uh, on this journey. We've had some stops along the way. Mm-hmm. We've both some been, detours uh, under anesthesia. Mm-hmm. We've got the scars to prove it. Mm-hmm. But we are great, great jazz June song at the end. Really, the the only thing that we really planned, I guess, in the course of doing this was. Well, we should come up with a name, and mm-hmm. whatever that is, it'll be the last song that we talk about for our podcast, which we ended up calling As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio. And I've also got to, you know, pull the veil back, give credit. You were the one who came up with the name, which uh, we were we were really thinking about and batting stuff around. And once you said it, I was like, that's it. That's that's the one. Um, and I really think it's been a, a perfect encapsulation somehow of this whole show, symbolically. Well, you know I love to take credit for things, and I will take credit for the fact that my friend, Pat Creed, Mm. came up with the name of the podcast. And I remember we were sitting around on the couch, uh, me and Pat Creed, Scott, who does the Better Yet website, who, Mm -hmm. uh, who took care of all of this at the beginning, getting it on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we were hanging out, and it's like, yeah, me and, me and David Anthony are going to do a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we're going to talk about one Alkaline Trio song. We need a name. And we kind of just like sat thinking, and then Pat just pulls the phone out, just starts looking through, and he says, as you were. And I was like, I can't think of a better one. Can't think of a better one. I don't think there is. I mean, maybe other people would feel differently, but I, I feel like it's a, it, it's perfect because it's also kind of a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what really makes it work for me. Um, is it's a good phrase uh, as it is, as it was, as it ever will be, were be. Um, but I think like, it kind of speaks to the heart of the thing, and that's why I've always liked it. And it's funny because we'll get into it, but it's a song I have such a 
odd relationship to. Oh, we will get into it. I listened to God Damn It a couple times over the weekend, a couple times today, and every time this one comes up, especially after that run of mm-hmm. four. Cringe, you know, Cop is a song that on its own, maybe not the best, but where it is in really the track well. list, it works so well. I think it offers a very, very important bit of levity for the record that follows. Get us all in tune to the fact that this guy singing most of these songs, kind of a kind of a goofy perspective. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then fucking the heaters, San Francisco, yep. nose over tail. That alone, what a fucking run of tracks. Yep. And then you get one of the goofiest drum fills to start off. Yep. A song that's kind of weird and you're not sure what's going on. And then it kicks in to a quick pace for that verse that once those words start coming out for me, I'm just like, whole. All right, I'm I'm on for this ride. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like I just remember, I think so viscerally remember hearing this song for the first time. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was the first one on the record where I was kind of like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. And then it kind of gets moving and I get into it. But it's also I don't know. I think this is a song that feels like I don't know what the writing process was like for the songs on Gundam. It would be pure speculation. Yeah. Um, but this one feels like such a bridge in a way because it's like kind of got a little bit of that nose over tail cringe energy with that kind of extended instrumental part. Mm-hmm. But the first minute is just Matt Skiba running through just line after line after line, like as fast as he can. Yeah. It's like he's on a train and he's just trying to get the words out as fast as he fucking can go. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's, I also think the lyrics are, they're goofy, but they're kind of cool. Oh, they're all fucking great. They're um, all great. And what I did uh, for this one that a little bit different than things I've done in the past, but made me think like, oh man, this is a really great way to get the get to know this song a little bit better was I wrote the lyrics out mm. and uh, spent a little bit of time uh, learning how to play it. Um, I heard this song when I was 14 years old. I'm 34 mm. now. That's Whoa. a long time. That is a long time. Uh, I learned a new chord today by learning oh? this Alkaline Trio song. Um, and I had so much fun just like, I guess like seeing the words interact, seeing the way the chords, which just on an acoustic guitar a little bit slower down, you really see the way that they work. Um, hearing it through the filtration of one of the worst sounding records of all time where Mm -hmm. it just especially at the beginning during the instrumental part it sounds so garbled and noisy and and this is one where you really feel like the influence of the noise uh bands that were happening Mm -hmm. in chicago at that time the thrill jockey uh bands of the world the touch and go bands of the world the u.s maples Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 stuff definitely has their imprint on this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I love the those surrounding like slowed down noisier passages, and I love the way it kicks into the verse, and it doesn't stop for the chorus. Really, with the chords nope. changing as quickly as they do in the chorus too, it's even faster feeling. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It, it almost, when I sat down with it again, I was kind of like, man, does this song even really have a chorus is the question I was going to pose. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you can argue that it does. But I've also seen people argue that 
what we might call the bridge is the chorus when it slows down a little bit. Right. And I don't know what's actually the case here. It's This is really a song, unlike a lot of their other songs, where it's kind of in the eye of the beholder here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the, I guess what feels like the chorus, which, you know, the words change, but she's passing through to climb a hill. Yep. That kind of functions more as a pre-chorus than a chorus, because mm-hmm. I guess the chorus line would be praying for you to fall, which is also presented differently a couple of times before we mm-hmm. hit that last part, which, yeah. yeah. But I think that all of this is to say, this is a band that didn't really know what they were doing, and it didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I think to what you were saying about like learning to play this, like when I was younger, learning how to play like every song on this record. And I think what I really took from it and what is still imprinted on me as like someone who occasionally writes songs and plays music is like, I just like songs that feel like this. I like writing songs that feel like this mm-hmm. because it's like one kind of vibe where if I was trying to teach this to someone, you couldn't be like, Oh, well what's the next part? It's like, well, it's kind of the same part, but not really. Right. You know, like I love shit like that. I love stuff that changes ever so slightly and kind of has this weird, linear a to b narrative point to it and i think the evolution of how the song feels and how the lyrics change and even kind of how the vocal uh like performance changes by the end i think it's just really cool it's like it's like there's a perspective running through it and yeah it's not the the way you're supposed to do things um but that's what makes so much of that early material and goddammit in particular so exciting and so thrilling to me when I was younger and still now, mm-hmm. because I don't know if, you know, I think it's easy to write um, a song that's replicating, I don't know, a song from from here to infirmary. Right. For example. Mm-hmm. But I think it's harder to do something that like feels like this and feels authentic and feels like, you know, honest, which is what this material really is. Yeah. And you, you, you look at it, I think once the whole thing is over and we we get three different instances of that praying for you to fall and it acts kind of as a segue the first time just back mm-hmm. into the second verse and we see it lengthen a little bit in the way that it's drawn out but also adding the so pitiful mm-hmm. and then that final you know instance of it it's so huge it's such a great vocal from matt he's screaming his fucking heart out and just those so fucking pitiful Mm -hmm. it's exactly the right emotion for what this is which is something that feels so messy and he's so able to just be like yeah i'm not trying to save face here it's fucking pitiful i puked in Mm. front of this person (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing it's just like you know we've we've talked about it so many times with the early stuff but like it's just a celebration of being a mess and like you know but not in a like I think it's neither self-aggrandizing nor self-loathing. It's just kind of like it's it almost feels like someone singing and writing songs really clear-eyed about like their most fucked up moments, which I think is a unique approach. Um and I think I've always felt and maybe other people feel differently than me, but I never felt like it was really glamorizing that in any way. It just kind of felt like yeah, that's what it is. And he's making such obvious, not obvious, but like the references he's making, he's just looking at a beer with gross shit in it. And mm-hmm. he's, he's like, I'm writing a song about that. That's how I feel. Like, that's basically what this song is. It's kind of a, just a, a bit of magic that you get from the idea that, you know, this song could have just come out based on playing guitar on a couch 
with a table in front of you and looking at what's in front of you. He's 20 years old. Of course, there's fucking beer cans everywhere, some of them with cigarettes in them. In three weeks, he's going to, like, just angrily shove everything into a garbage can Mm. and, like, bemoan what he's doing with himself. But it's... I think this is one of the one of the ones too early on where you're you're just like, man, weird guy. Yep. Weird well, I mean, guy. All right, if we're gonna get into weird guy, let's talk about a line that from when I first heard it as a kid it was like, Whoa, um run like a three week half full glass of breast milk drunken off my ass. Um <laughs> What an image. What a choice of words. Uh, milk would have sufficed, but he took it a step further. I love that line so much. It's got such a great punctuation to it. It it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It it it, it doesn't uh it's not what anyone would think of. It grosses you out. And it's perfect. I know. And like, I do think, you know, th- that's a certain part of um, Matt's lyricism that I think, you know, because people like to talk about like, uh, like oh, Mr. Spook Show in, in the mid-2000s around Good Morning. But I think that's actually just kind of an evolution of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Like you see a lot of that on this record. And I think Maybe I'll Catch Fire kind of gets into like, there's a lot of darker stuff kind of built into this. Where this feels a little more like real life and playful. But that he's like, I want spiders to crawl down my mouth and make me their home, mm-hmm. um, essentially. And you see, like, I mean, I think you can draw a straight line almost from a song like this to, like, a Mr. Chainsaw lyrically. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that's a song I I go back and forth on a lot, as uh, listeners, I'm sure, know. But, like, I think this is, there was a period where I think he was maybe to certain people a little corny or not that great of a lyricist. But I actually think this, I've always kind of thought that, like, when he nails it, it's really evocative and i think he hits it with things like no one else is gonna think to say that and when he does that i just like even if it maybe bristles me up top today i do kind of soften on it and grow to like it because i'm like oh it's all kind of part of this lineage of what he's established yeah and i think that just like vocally that that line has such a good run and i'll always always have a soft spot for just the juxtaposition of of something like that first line and then i would give anything to erase the past nine years of my life like i don't agree but i fucking feel that and especially feel it at certain times you know Mm -hmm. and it's it's so up front it's so fucking straightforward and that's a really beautiful thing to put in there and you know it feels like it could be just like tap from conversation or it feels like it's something that just comes out yeah yeah i mean i think i think that's the thing is i think a lot of this is like and this is me super romanticizing something, right? So, like, let's not take anything I'm about to say. Uh, take it all with a nice grain of salt. Um, but there's just something about a song like this where I can very much picture him basically being on a back porch of a Chicago apartment, mm-hmm. little wooden, you know, box, hungover with a friend, looking at a beer that's half full of cigarette butts on it saying man that's how i feel and then like turning around and just writing it down it just feels so lived in and it feels so authentic and the older i've gotten the feel like the more i've been able to see those types of things you know Mm -hmm. um it just really uh i don't know it's one of those strange things where i'm like 
there is a lot of me romanticizing this era of this band, this record from this band, these songs. But I think, you know, moving to Chicago, and I'm sure you can speak to this too, is like, wow, like this feels like one of the most, to me, uh, kind of honest and just like upfront examples of what it was like to live in that, this part of the city at that point in time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think the Lawrence Arms have always had a much more like North side perspective, yeah. which for obvious reasons. Um, but like, I think Matt really captures the experience of like what was to become like the next hip areas over the next 20 years. Like he's a little bit mm-hmm. out ahead of that. He's like the, the proto, uh, gentrifier hipster, if you will. Um, but it's kind of documented on him, like, probably riding his bike on uh, Chicago or Augusta south into the loop and having a bad time. Just waiting to get back to the handlebar for fucking 5 p.m. happy hour. Get some goddamn french fries. I think, yeah, and that's, that's a really good point, too. And I think that, you know, the... The gentrifier call is what it is. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, punks are first wave gentrifiers. It's all we are. Yeah. Artists. Yep. People who move in, people who are willing to, you know, pay 300 bucks a month to live mm. with four friends in a yep. in a dump. And mm. I think that that's, you know, part of uh, part of being a kid who's not in school anymore you know how no matter how you get there um and i think that there's looking back to you know and looking back on it as an adult there's just so many universals that are in here whether they're just strong artistically or statements about about being a fucking person who feels things that shine brighter than than they did at the beginning for me Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i think that's really the truth and i think it's like funny to be sitting here talking about a song that like you know i loved it when i first heard it and i do think there if i'm going to be completely honest it's also one of like the kind of weaker songs on this record because there's so many high marks, you know, and I think it's emblematic of like, to me, like a song I really love and have so much affection for, but in their catalog is so far down. And it's really shown me talking about all these and, and really coming to appreciate some songs. Like I would have not said I felt that way about coming into this is just like the depth of quality here that make doing something like this, such a reasonable prospect. And it's because there is so much to be found in some of these songs. Mm-hmm. Some less so. But I think even the lower tier ones, when you're in like the mid part of a list, if you you know ranked them out, there's still so much uh, meat to chew on. There's still so much. It's so driven by, I think, just like authentic personal experience at the core of a lot of these songs mm-hmm. that it makes sense to me and it's kind of always made sense to me why people feel such deep connections to stuff that is across the entire fucking discography and a song like this i think it's it's just so cool to kind of see like yeah like i could see people not uh necessarily uh maybe loving this one but i think it's when you dig deeper into it you find those things you find that chord you'd never played before you find these like weird Mm -hmm. lyrical things you find an incredibly weird bass part at the end uh that i love so much and that's what is that part too it's just out of nowhere like the the last five seconds of this song feel like something they would have written for four year longs only Uh uh-huh um it's also got it's, a weird timing to it, too. Like, I yeah. always think it hangs on one of those notes for too long. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. There's That's the thing is there's so many little moments. Like, the, the beauty to me of music and, like, listening to it and discussing it with people 
is all these things like a different part hits someone else differently and it makes you hear it differently. And that's kind of what's so cool about it Mm -hmm. is like, yeah, it's this shared thing, you know, but maybe to someone like the way we love that end part, someone loves that weird fucking drum part. I don't know. Like, uh, there's just so many things that can grab people. And I think it's like, that kind of shared appreciation and love when you like look into like, all right, why do I like this? It's like, oh, there's so many things coming together. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I feel like when we talk about these songs is just like, it's just a confluence of so many things that shouldn't work working. And I love that. It just feels like magic. Yeah. Yeah. The three people in the room really just brought something new and exciting mm-hmm. and really, really unique and special to it. And I think that that's a really good point that you make too about this being a song that for people who are, are fans of the newer material, this is a tough sell. It's a weird mm-hmm. and strange song. And I think in the same way that we really appreciate like, wow, this is really the first of a lot of things, or it's a part of, you know, a a long series of firsts. Those, you know, pieces that come out later on in songs where the songwriting is fashioned and and strong, it all relates back to this. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we've... We've talked about a lot of songs that we really don't like. Yep. But looking at it now, it's like, I couldn't, I could, how could you fault someone for liking what is at the core, you know, this it's, it's just, yeah. it's, it's all part of the same thing. And I think that what we did with this podcast was come back to this band, um, from a, a perspective that was very guided by our own personal relationships, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you'd written a piece about mm-hmm. your relationship with the Alkaline Trio. Your arm has mm-hmm. <laughs> a permanent... A very obvious nod. And one of the things that I remember... Uh, I think it was one of our first online interactions was me saying like, you know what? I don't think, I think that people got it wrong on where the dip came with Skiba's songwriting. And you were like, I'm interested. And I felt like I didn't explain it very well on the Twitter because I was sitting on the toilet when I was supposed to be working. Uh, But you know, coming together and and doing this and really, really appreciating those moments and like really thoroughly getting into what they are and what they represent. Going through the tough ones, I still went through it with a lot of appreciation for just like the fact that this is all still here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like, I've kind of alluded to it and we've talked, you know, we both love artists who have long, who've been doing it for fucking ever, who, yeah, they have some odd detours in their careers. And like, part of that is just kind of like, I think I've come to appreciate that now where it's like, yeah, maybe I don't love it at the moment or the year something comes out or immediately following but at a certain point I do turn the corner and I'm like, I'm kind of glad this exists because it is an ongoing story. It's all part of what is like this band's, you know, career, narrative, legacy. And I think there's just still going because I think unlike a lot of bands, I don't know what they're going to do next. And, you know, as you may have seen, uh, Matt Skiba in a little interview said he's like, oh, the new songs I've been writing take influence from uh, The Strokes. And, mm-hmm. you know, my response to that would be, uh, well, this ain't it. Um, but, you know, I'm curious to see what his version of that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did have some great 
moments listening to this song again. Um, and I guess like, God damn it again, just in uh, preparation for this episode of our podcast, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Um, but before, as you were, uh, there's this part on Cringe right before the second guitar comes in where you hear it feedback a little bit in a very like mm-hmm. two, nine seconds, I think. I never noticed that before. I never hmm. noticed that sound. And I mean, that's, that's, I love shit like that so much. Hearing it and then just being like, well, that sounded a little bit like the Spotify thing. It's, it's not because of Spotify listening to it again. No, it's there. And you mm-hmm. hear the amp come up. And it's like, here we go. Here we fucking go. Um, a field in my gut lacking sunshine. Uh, seeing as though I had a major abdominal surgery mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. That one... That, that one, one hits. That one held pretty good. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, it's great uh, as a, as a line, but yeah, I'm sure that one takes on a little more significance. Um, you know, given the journey, mm-hmm. peace be the journey. Mm-hmm. Also, um, you know, I think the line uh, put down like a prostitute in court. Mm-hmm. All liberty soon to abort to go back to your favorite alkaline trio song um the perspective that he has in mm. in that line i think is probably very aided by his own experience mm-hmm. having liberties taken away from him um and i think that you know a a line like that it is um there's so much sympathy for uh sex workers in that in that line that you don't really see that often yeah i was going to say like i could, i obviously could see people quibbling maybe with the terminology these days because obviously sex workers the preferred uh the preferred nomenclature mm-hmm. Um, but I do like that it's it's approached without um, it's definitely there's definitely no judgment there. Yeah, it is kind of a sympathetic read. Um, maybe some people would disagree with that, but like I've always kind of read it as that. Like it's it's kind of taking, I think, what has historically been a very uh, demonized um, profession mm-hmm. and understanding that there is like kind of a humanity behind it. Um, and, and an attempt to relate to that or understand that through whatever circumstances he's finding himself in. And I think that's what, like, I don't know, stuff like that, It you know, sometimes if that was the whole premise of this song, I think it would be kind of hokey. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact it's just like this very kind of quick few lines where you're getting into this and getting the sense and then moving on, like, that's actually pretty... I mean, it's just really economical, and he's not lingering on any one thing for longer than he needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, like, I just really admire. You know, he's kind of getting in and getting out and moving on and, like, finding the ties, even if they're just in his own brain, of what links these things together. I think it's pretty sick. And I think it's um, – it, it just really speaks to a perspective and a point of view and, like – a trust and confidence in what was being put on the page and then recorded on the record to make those things kind of like just feel like a part of the whole package. Yeah. There's a real free wheel and kind of energy on this song. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I think the, the structure of the verses of really just like setting it up with, you know, two things that we kind of use as, as reference points to how we're feeling you know, whether it's a half full beard, dress milk, or breast milk. Dress milk? Mm. Um, What's that? <laughs> a teenager's first drink, which I always thought was kind of a funny one because it's like, all right, I remember having like beer for the first time or 
or hard liquor for the first time and just having to kind of like really hold it down. Um, but there's also a world where I think you're, you're a teenager and you just get some, get some smearing off ices in your system and you're just like, yeah, pound it down. Um, but yeah, all's to say, this is a song that I think is like, I think it's unique in that it's pretty hard to separate from definitely the preceding tracks. Oh, a thousand percent. Like it feels like on the album to me, um, you know, I don't know if it matches the, that four song run that you uh, put out up top, but it feels a part of it to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a kind of uh, much like cop. It feels like a necessary piece for what comes next. And I just have always felt like this record was incredibly well sequenced. Yeah. And I don't know if without a song like this there, like I think the, the, the jump to enjoy your day would feel a little more stark. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it serves a purpose and I think it's a song that like, yeah, I feel like it's one of those, they only play live when they're playing God damn it in full. This isn't like a set list staple for reasons I understand. But it just makes so much sense being where it is and doing everything it does and and going where it goes. It's just, I love tracks like that because it's, you know, it feels very intentional, even if maybe it wasn't, you know, but that kind of like cosmic kismet energy to like write something and be like, oh no, this just perfectly is track five on this record. Huh? Who would have thought? And I think there is just like an effortlessness that kind of comes across on this album to me in almost all ways. And uh, I think the song kind of exemplifies that. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the long instrumental bridge is just so cool and something that they utilize to such great results like throughout this record is just that long drawn out holding on one chord Mm -hmm. and then really building it back up on on octaves and like some sort of strange uh not difficult but different types of chords to then kick back in to just a really, really emphatic closing. Um, I think that having Enjoy Your Day as the side A closer is a, is a good move. And I love the way that this one mirrors Trouble Breathing in setting mm-hmm. up acoustic tracks. Um, but when I think of, God damn it, when I think of this record and what really separates it from a lot of the canon it is songs like this where mm-hmm. they're just they're weird they're weird songs instrumentally lyrically um i think that there's such a nice like subtle demonic energy which goes mm-hmm. but you know, looking at it and just seeing like, man, we're we're hitting on all of the big points even before the big points are fully yeah. formed. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's just like hearing this record is not just like a collection of great songs, but it's a cro- collection of like moments of just like such shining potential mm-hmm. of like what's going to come. And it, it's records like this, and I think songs like this, and I think moments on records like this that like really build that devotion in people, where you're like you're so excited to see what happens next, and you're and you know that obviously can lead to uh, disappointment at times. But I think you know that's natural whenever you are very invested in something. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be a big fan of a sports team and they're going through a rebuilding phase and you don't really like watching it all that much. Um, but I don't think that changes the fact that the love and passion is really at the core of it. And I think, you know, that's the fun thing is like, I'm sure 
there are episodes of this podcast because there are so many that are not the best ones of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are others that I think are probably pretty good. And, you know, that's uh, that's kind of the point of it all. And I think I love listening to something like this and really thinking about it and thinking about where I was when I first heard it and just the experience of hearing this record the first time. And, like, for a certain stretch of it, it's like, oh, this is the best song on this record. No, this is the best song on this record. No, this is the best song on this record. And, like, just that feeling of hearing a record like that for the first time is um, so fucking cool. And, like, what I think... literally all of this is about and i can't wait until i hear a record like that again whoever that is by it's gonna happen it's totally gonna happen it's gonna feel the same and it's also gonna feel really different and the differences are gonna be good and i think something that i've been thinking about a lot um as we wrap up this podcast and better yet is about to slowly start wrapping up as well um it's been it's an interesting thing putting out these podcasts which exist in fully digital forms but music is always going to be tactile Mm -hmm. if you want it to be. Yep. And I'm very much starting to just cherish that fact. And I love how many copies I have of this record. Same. And I love how many more I'll probably buy no matter what, no matter where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Cause it belongs to me. Yeah. It belongs to all of us. Mm-hmm. And I am really proud of, of, uh, our work here. Me too. And I think the greatest thing that I can hear from anybody is is just like, your podcast reignited something for me because that's what it did for me. And I think, yeah. I know we talked about this a lot last week, but it's been running through my head a lot. Is like, man, this made me love music more than I did. Yeah, same. And I think that's the thing. It's like getting to share that feeling and getting to experience um, that kind of communal feeling with people has been part of the reason we did it as much as it started from us just like, all right, let's see if anyone cares. You know, there are people who listen and and would hit us up about this stuff every week. And that was so fucking cool. And like, it's just about, yeah, it's nice to be able to, as you get older, tap back into like why you care about stuff and the shit you really loved and like understand like, oh, I can still feel that same way. I just have to like approach it with an open mind and kind of like an open heart instead of like a cynical lens. Cause you're not going to really get to anything if that's, if that's the only viewpoint you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, we can all do, we can all do this. We can all, make things we can all do shit even if it's just for ourselves even if nobody ever sees it creating Mm. things is so special and spending so much time talking to you thinking about what we're doing and what we're doing for ourselves and for people listening um but to continue to go back to this well of creative people making things even before they know what it is, mm-hmm. is it's been so, so inspiring and grounding amidst all of this shit. 
that yeah absolutely getting to do it over the past like 18 months has been a real real balm for the soul is the way i'd put it yeah well what do you rate it i don't know what do you rate it five out of five sure five big five oh gotta be it's too uh, it's too representative of the whole journey. And you know what? I will say, I think I like this song more than you do. I, I think, think I would I have like given it a, it a five, no matter what. It, it was going to be four or above for me. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. It's just that entire fucking A-side run is just so perfect that like, I re- when I really think about it, it's just like, I don't think any of the songs are bad. I don't think any of them are less than good. Yes, even enjoy your day. Um, and I'll fucking wave that flag forever. We have some people to thank, I think, for, like, from the beginning of this show. Um, Marcus Nuccio. Mm-hmm. did our logo um completely original artwork um every piece of it uh dan wallach i remember mm-hmm. um was one of the first people to listen and if not for feedback from dan that you relayed to me i don't think that the opening of this show would sound as sharp as it does true um i think that was something that we figured out early on start the same way each Mm -hmm. week and uh and dan gave us some good feedback on on how to make that uh make that sharper um becca james gave us coverage Mm -hmm. on Podmass, which was super helpful Um, super cool Anybody else mention Pat Creed? I would like to to give a big shout to uh, the the three big guests we had on the feed: uh, Jeremy Bohm, Tom Sheehan, Brennan Kelly. Big shouts to them for being the the trio of guests who we got to eat up and and uh, take the time of. Um, but mostly, the biggest thanks is uh, it's corny, but it's. Uh, so everybody, Tim, for doing this journey with me, for wanting to do this, for editing these episodes, posting them, running the thing, taking care of the Patreon, um, really making sure that the trains were and trucks were running on time. Um, this was a fucking pleasure, and likewise, my friend, I I got to learn so much and um. You know, we did our we did our Patreon uh our QA last week and one of the things that was really, really just taking victory laps in my head was the fact that we knew what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. We made it better than we thought yes. it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. It's a good feeling. Yeah. And we have all of you listening to thank for that. Um, You know, I was told we were talking before we started just about what's on our minds. And I, and I asked you, how, how, how are we going to make sure that we get to, to do this, to get on and, and talk shit mm-hmm. about thirty, uh, talk shit for thirty-seven minutes before we uh, start the podcast. What's what's gonna set How us? How do we up? do it? <laughs> we will. We'll find a way. We'll we'll. Oh. There's a will, and that means there's a way. Um, we have a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash As You Were. Uh, we invite you to sign up over there. For a one-time fee, we have a zine that we are making uh, for the end of this, our mm-hmm. our way of, of creating something tactile to um, 
draw this shit to a close. Sorry, I feel like I'm. I feel like the AC in my car has been running the entire time we've been doing this. I just have had goosebumps the entire, mm-hmm. uh, the entire time here. Um, but we have some bonus content over there if you want to listen or you just want a copy of that scene. You can sign up patreon.com slash as you were. We encourage you to tell people about the show, people that you think might enjoy it, and check out the feed if you haven't. It's all there. Even episode 160 is available mm-hmm. on your podcast player of choice. And thank you for 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 giving us uh for giving us your time and and the opportunity to do something that is very silly but very fun very fun and very very worth it um we'll see you at the next show i suppose till then thank you friends